Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kyla, and today we're talking about why commitment is so scary. Yes, we are. So Kyla, do you think that commitment is scary? Yes and no. I think that we'll probably get into this, but my attachment style is one that I think tends toward wanting security and like, I guess that would include commitment in a way. Can you, for people that don't know, can you just break down sort of like what you mean by attachment style? Yes. (laughs) Clear's throat. (laughs) Yes, I can. She's been waiting her whole life for this question. Like, okay, I'm ready. I have my notes. No, I have no notes. I'll try and say this succinctly. So attachment theory, basically, attachment theory is a theory that focuses on relationships and bonds between people, um, particularly long-term relationships. And it includes those between a parent and child and between romantic partners, The theory is kind of based in the idea that how you were raised and how your parents kind of interacted with you and showed up for you determines how you behave in your adult relationships. Mm. So there are four main styles of attachment um, in adults, and those are secure, anxious, preoccupied, dismissive, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. You can, like, there's a lot of tests and stuff you can do to figure out what your attachment style is. I highly recommend doing that. It's really helpful to understand your style and, like, how it shows up in your relationship and the style of your partner and how those interact. Um, There's a really good book called Attached that we can link to in the show notes. But yeah, does that does that cover it so far? <laughs> Do we want to go deeper? Yeah, I feel like so what you were kind of saying is because you tend to be more of an anxious attachment style, you would seek out commitment. So it would be less scary to you. Yeah. So basically the – I think the core be- – like each style has a core belief and I think that the anxious – core belief is that people will leave them Mm. i'll fact check that um but it yeah what it's saying here i'm just reading about is that those who possess a negative view of their self and a positive view of others is kind of like key for anxious preoccupied um i also would like to clarify that i am secure with anxious tendencies (laughs) oh sorry (laughs) (laughs) no just because like i've been putting in a lot of work since i've learned about this to check a lot of the behaviors that show up and it's been really helpful in my relationship and life yes and so just so people know secure would be like your the goal kind of like secure would be the healthiest spot to be Yeah. And I think 50% of people are secure, which to me is just wild because I feel like everyone I know is anxious or avoidant. Mm -hmm. But why don't I just say like quickly with the other ones. So secure, you have a positive view of yourself and a positive view of others. Dismissive, avoidant, um, you have a positive view of yourself and a negative view of others. These all there's like a lot more intricacies to this, but this is kind of like high level. And then fearful avoidant, you have an unstable or fluctuating view of yourself and others. So all of those things kind of interact and there's a lot of pretty like textbook behaviors that will show mm-hmm. up. Like if an anxious person is with an avoidant person, there's all these it's really interesting. I don't know, maybe we'll get deeper into this as we as we talk a bit more, but highly recommend reading that book if you haven't. So for you, commitment feels like pretty 
like it's something that you would seek out. Like, do you ever get nervous committing to something? Like, oh, this is a if I make this decision to move in with this person, or if I make this decision to accept this job, like, do you ever get nervous about how like you're committing to something for a long time? Yeah, I would say that, okay, if I'm like to go back, I would say I've only really become secure in the past like year or two, um, since I like have been able to recognize these things in myself. But am I scared of commitment? I would say the anxious side of me was scared of commitment in the sense of like, I'm scared that I'm going to commit to this person and then they're going to leave me and hurt me Mm. more than like, I'm scared of committing and giving up my freedom, which is more of like an avoidant statement. Mm -hmm. Now that I feel like I am more secure in my relationship, I, I feel like I have more choice and like, I want to be with this person. And I know I'll be okay if we don't work out, which is like a, a way more empowering position to be in for sure. Yeah. yeah. Commitment with things outside of relationships. I'm mostly just scared of messing up. So I guess that's like a similar kind of like anxious style. Yeah, fair enough. I feel like for me, I tend to be more avoidant than anxious. So it, it for me, it would be like a freedom thing, which is definitely yeah. something I've talked about with my friends. Like even when it comes to like big relationship moments or just like life decisions, like where you where you go from here type of thing. It's kind of even like what we were talking about the other day where some people will like go and live in like a foreign place or like go yeah. – make these big jumps where they'll just like move to a new city or I don't know, whatever it is, or quit their job and like be whatever. And I feel like what we were talking about is like you were – I think it was you who was mentioning that like you look at that and you're like, oh, that's really cool and also like I don't know that I want that. Yeah. I feel like I struggle with that a bit where like I look at other people doing things like that and I envy it a lot, but like in theory I envy (laughs) it. I'm like – oh, it would be so cool to just like go live in like Europe or somewhere else. Yeah. And then at the same time, I'm like, when I'm there, I don't know that that would be like what I would actually want to do. I wonder if I just think that like that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. Like it's a should. Yeah. It's sort of the opposite side of the shoulds, which is also something I wanted to talk about. I feel like when we were talking about it in our previous episode, we were talking a lot about marriage and uh procreation and different shoulds. (laughs) And then I feel like there's this other side of the shoulds that are like settling, like this negative connotation with settling down or about like moving to a small town or sort of like giving up your independence or following a partner to like something, a place that they need to go for work or something like that, where I definitely feel like I grew up with this big should that was like, you should be independent. You should be able to stand on your own two feet. And that like almost there's a part of being in a relationship where I felt like, and I almost feel like I was socialized in a way to feel like you shouldn't really be with a partner until you like knew who you were and had a big career and like found yourself and like traveled and dated a lot. Like that was a huge thing I heard so much that was like, if you've only been in long-term relationships, like you don't know what you want. You don't know what you like. Like you need to have a period where you're single and you date. And like there were all these other shoulds on the other side of the spectrum that were like kind of pushing me to feel like, okay, maybe I, maybe I should want to go live in 
London for six months by myself or like date random people or you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of all of those shoulds as well. Yeah. I think it's that whole, like you were saying, people say you have to find yourself before you can like be with someone else. That I, I don't, I don't think I agree with, but the, you have to love yourself before you can be with someone else. I kind of see more relevance in that, but I, I don't know, like speaking as someone who, and I think you can relate to this has just been in like so many long-term relationships. I really haven't had a period of time when I've been single for a long time. I have grown into the person I am today in those relationships. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. think that you start seeing someone and then you lose yourself necessarily. Like that I think can happen, but like, but when I met, when I was, I was 19 and I think he must've been like 21 (laughs) and now I'm almost 26 and he's, is he 28? Whoa. Yeah. And during that time, like I'm not the same person I was when we first met. And I think that the nature of our relationship, because we have put in effort to become more secure as individuals, like we have been able to find out who we are, but I don't know. I guess I could see how that could become difficult if you are just so preoccupied by the relationship itself, I guess, which mm-hmm. does happen. Um, there's something called the anxious avoidant trap, which is like when I <laughs> learned about that, I was like, oh my God, I've been called out. But basically anxious people and avoidant people attract each other because they both kind of solidify the core belief of the anxious person feels like they're going to be left and the avoidant person feels like their freedom's going to be taken away. So like it's kind of this mm-hmm. like push and pull and this tumultuous and a lot of people see that as love. Like they see that as exciting and like that's what they look for. They look for passion and drama and all this stuff. And <laughs> I could see how you might lose yourself in that situation and like not be able to become who you really are I guess because you're just preoccupied for sure like I feel like relationships like that that consume so much of your energy how are you going to be like focusing on yourself or like even just like doing your own hobbies and having your own friends and things like that I I feel like that's sort of impossible if so much of your emotional energy is going to just like simply navigating the day-to-day of your like core relationship yeah totally. yeah I honestly think the like finding yourself thing is bullshit big time (laughs) I don't think you ever really find yourself I think that's the trick is like your whole life is just a process of like trying to figure out what you want to do and that's going to change and I don't know if you ever find yourself and then you stop changing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the idea that you would spend this time where you're like single and you're just like, (laughs) yeah, eat, pray, loving yourself. And then you know yourself so well. And then you find a partner and then you just never, but you just stop. Like you're just, then you're done. I just think that's such a bizarre concept. Like I think that it takes time to get to know yourself. And I'm like a huge fan of increased self-awareness and Mm. constantly challenging your beliefs and your thought processes to try to grow and evolve. But I think that if you're not able to do that within a relationship, then you're probably with the wrong person because – your partner should be doing that as well. Like I always hated also us clearly in a mood. (laughs) Always also people always say like, you should be with someone who challenges you, which like, okay, let's unpack that a bit. I feel like people use that and they think it means like someone who challenges you to like be more successful or work harder or, you know, be like very surface level challenge type things. 
And I always was so annoyed by that because I'm like, personally, I feel like I've got myself covered on the (laughs) self-critique. I actually don't. If my partner was telling me, you should probably work harder. I would would fall apart. Like I would truly, I would (laughs) walk into the ocean. Like like that would not, I could not have that. The brain I have been given is doing a great job of that. And so I guess how I, how I, would like to think about that if we want to continue using that phrase would be, I do think it's important to have a partner who maybe like challenges the way you think about things or the way you do live your day to day or like provides a different opinion or a different uh, point of view on certain topics or things like that. And so like in that way, I think it's really healthy to have someone and that's even like when we talk about things like attachment theory or Enneagram, it is just this jumping off point of being able to have someone you're in a relationship with who you respect mm-hmm. and you're able to go like the way I do things isn't necessarily the best way and yeah. be open to learning about different ways of approaching conflict or communication or you know what I mean? Things like that. Yeah. Where I just feel like in that way, I understand that you should be with someone who challenges you. I, I guess you could sort of think of it as like you wouldn't want to be with your replica. Like you wouldn't want to be with someone who is exactly the same as you. Yeah. But I just think like so often I see it like used as this, I don't know, like they should be, I don't know. It just has always sat kind of weird with me because I just think that it gets misinterpreted in a way and then – someone could be in like a really comfortable and loving relationship and be like, am I being challenged? And it's like, yeah, yeah, yo, that's chill. <laughs> that, that's true. I haven't thought a lot about that phrase. I think like how I would interpret it is what you were saying about, I guess, challenging your viewpoints and challenging you to become a better human being. Yeah. I think so much about relationships is about compromise and I that feels like it goes back to boundaries again. It's like you want to be with someone who knows themselves and has boundaries. Yeah. Otherwise, it just gets so messy. And if you like, I feel like in a lot of relationships I've felt, and in friendships too, I felt like you kind of just like meld into a single person and you forget that like this is a human being with their own ideas and own opinions and goals. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to just forget that and think that we should think the exact same way and we should want to do the exact same things and we should have the same like life path in mind. And that is, I think, a very difficult thing to find. And I don't, I don't know if you would want that. I think it's kind of boring. (laughs) I I definitely don't think I would want that. And I agree with what you're saying about like becoming a better person. Maybe I have kind of a skewed relationship with like maybe in the past, what I would have thought being a better person would mean would be like related to success or something like that. Yeah, productivity. But I think that there's just so much you can learn even from seeing the way that like a friend or a loved one like approaches different situations that they come into. Like I've found that that's been some of my biggest learning is like, I'll watch someone I love like handle a big life event or I'll see the way they treat their family or Mm -hmm. I'll see the way they handle a stressful situation at work. And I feel like I learn more 
sort of passively just from being like witness to it than I would from someone giving me that advice. Like it's almost easier to see it done in action and be like, oh, there's another way of doing things and it works. That to me has been so key and I don't think I would get that if everyone in my life was sort of echoing what I was doing. Yeah, that's true. What do you feel like is the biggest thing you've learned in this relationship you're in now? I mean, a bunch of things, but like the, I feel like the thing I come back to a lot is just like, there's a certain level of kindness and selflessness that I get to see modeled on like a daily basis that is sort of novel to me. Not that I don't know people who are like that, but it's just like to such an extreme degree that mm-hmm. just like the commitment to, taking care of people and like being there for people and like even things that to me I feel like I'm good at I'm like I see it modeled in a way now that I don't even like scratch the surface on what it means to put others before yourself and things like that and that's been so eye-opening to me even just from like a one of the more surface level parts of that is like minding my own business. Like, Hmm. I don't know if it's just natural that like when you're in high school or I don't know, just growing up that a lot of what you talk about is other people or like just kind of like surface level shit. And one of the biggest things I've learned in my relationship is like, like my partner just has no interest in that at all. Like, Hmm. and all he did was model to me that like when I would say something or like try to share something or like, no, I don't want to make myself sound like I'm gossipy, but mm-hmm. even just like things like, oh, someone we know and their partner broke up or something. And I'd just be like, oh, they broke up. And just like, no, flat, such a <laughs> flat response, like does not care. Or he already knew and didn't tell me because he thought it was none of his business to share. Like things like that where I'm just like, what? (laughs) And then what I realized is like over time, you just, you understand that it's more interesting to talk about things like hobbies and life and not people. And for me, that was so cool. It was, this is just a small part, obviously, but it was such a cool way of learning that trait that now I'm proud that I have because it wasn't like someone ever told me, oh, you do this or you do that or stop doing this. It was just like, oh, it it is uninteresting to talk about things like this and it isn't any of my business. (laughs) And I don't know, that was just, it's something I think about quite a bit. I don't want to discount it to just like something so trivial, but that's just a piece of like a greater puzzle, just like a certain way of carrying oneself throughout the world that just like is rooted in kindness. And for me, it was little lessons like that that were just seriously like passively. It was like I would say something, I wouldn't get a response and I'd be like, I probably won't do that again because it wasn't like (laughs) – I didn't get a laugh. I didn't get like a surprise. So it was just like why would I continue to do it? And I just think that's really – that's a very cool thing that I think is like so important Mm -hmm. and it's been taught to me throughout this relationship. Yeah, that's a good one. What about you? This is way too – like I feel like we rip on our boyfriends in every episode and now we're being so nice. Yeah, this is one for them. (laughs) I – again, it's hard to say just one thing, but – The biggest thing that I think I have learned from Bo is how to live like a a bigger life and how to question 
beliefs and I don't I don't even know if this is something yeah exactly that like he taught me or that I just saw Mm -hmm. from being with him but that there isn't one right way to do things or live a life or have a family or a relationship and you can kind of choose and and pick Mm -hmm. what works best for you and that's like a huge difference from Mm -hmm. who I was when maybe I just left Kelowna like I was just so scared of the world and thought I had to be some type of way to be good Mm -hmm. or whatever my definition of that was and it's yeah I've definitely opened up a lot to possibility and I think embraced like who I am a lot more because of him Mm -hmm. yeah that's so cute. Oh my god, I got emotional. <laughs> oh. Now we made up for now we made up for nagging him about not taking out the garbage. Yeah. <laughs> it's also it's difficult to say for sure how much of it is just like the time period that we've been together mm. too is like from like 19 to 26. I think you hopefully have a lot of growth during that time anyways Mm -hmm. but I definitely think it pointed me in a direction that I feel good about and that's also I think that if you were in the wrong relationship or if you're with someone who didn't have a clear sense of self or things like that it might have like um what's the word I'm looking for like stunted your ability to grow and things like that and so like while it might not be just because of him it's probably part of the puzzle that like made it work that way yeah yeah. that's kind of what I mean about like when we come back to the question around like do you need to know who you are do you need to find yourself or do you need to love yourself before you find a partner I'm just like I really do believe that if you're in the right relationship those things should all still be happening ongoing while you're in it and like I think to ask people that they be fully like that they fully love themselves before they can be loved or love. I'm like, yeah, that is that's just whack. Like, yeah, that's a lifelong. It is. (laughs) So you're just setting people up for so much sadness. If you're saying like, oh, you can't be with someone until you love yourself. Like it's going to take us all a long time, I think, with it with like the rare person who has got it figured out but it's going to take I think all of us like it's a daily practice of learning to love ourselves and getting to know ourselves better yeah maybe that's a bit more about like if you're looking to find yourself through somebody else I I don't know that that is gonna work yeah and I think that if you don't have any sense of self or of like who you are what your values and boundaries are then like that would be that would put you in a tricky spot in a relationship mm-hmm. because that's when I think relationships can get dicey is when and that's even like in my life like my relationships when I was younger were more dicey because I didn't know what my boundaries were yeah. or what like what I really stood for like what I wouldn't accept and so it's just kind of a recipe for disaster because you don't yeah. have a clear idea of like when you walk away or when you'd say no to things, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. So do you think that committing to a partner means that you have to lose some of your independence? I don't think so anymore. (laughs) Okay. This is a tricky one because, okay, as Bo and I have become more secure in ourselves and, and in our relationship, I think 
it's opened up more freedom. Like we are comfortable, like we trust each other enough to talk about things like, okay, what if he wanted to go live somewhere else and I didn't want to, could we make that work? What would that look like? Like Mm -hmm. we're not scared of exploring options that maybe wouldn't go over so well if like we were still kind of like in that anxious avoidant state Mm -hmm. Um, because it did happen back in earlier in our relationship when he would say he wanted to go like move internationally this is something I've always known about him I don't know why it was a surprise (laughs) but then me and my like anxious mind was like oh he wants to leave me and go somewhere else and it's because I'm not good about enough and it like made it all about me Um, whereas now I'm clear on like okay I might not want to do that because I really like having a home base and I like having my friends and my family close and and it doesn't mean anything about each of us as an individual it's just kind of like there's more room for negotiation. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't, I think now I'm at a place where I don't, I feel like I could basically do anything I wanted and be able to discuss it with Bo and figure out a way to, to make it work for us. And that's yeah. really freeing, honestly, because mm-hmm. you have that kind of support system behind you still. Yeah. For me, I feel like there's kind of a delicate balance. Like I definitely grew up in the mindset that you should always be super independent and that like you should Mm -hmm. never lean on others in a way that like you would be wrecked if you didn't have them, which is sort of like too far the other way because I (laughs) 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 I think that, but for me, it's not, it wasn't about like, oh, because actually maybe to a certain degree it was about like, oh, they could just peace on you anytime. I think that Mm -hmm. is a a part of it. It's like people are notoriously unreliable was like a real thought Hmm. pattern I had. And so I think for me it was like I was so dead set on having my own life that was full of like career success and education and friends and all these things that had nothing to do with a partner. And that to me was always something I felt like very strongly about. And it almost made me like critical of people who Mm -hmm. I saw like move where their boyfriend was moving for work. I, in my, in the back of my mind, cynically, I was like, that's, that's a bad idea because you don't know how that's going to go. And then you're just in like some random town, like so, so negative, but it was just like, I was sort of in that space. And so I do feel like for me, it's kind of the other, I'm sort of reconciling it the other way now of like, how do you, we kind of talked about this in a previous episode and I was referring to it as codependence. And then I was kind of saying like, but not actually codependence, like not attachment theory codependence. But what I actually was talking about is interdependence, which is like, Interdependence is the ability to have both, like being an independent person who has, like I said, like their own values and their own life Mm -hmm. and also be willing to like connect emotionally with others in a meaningful way and like have emotional intimacy and like lean on others for support, like that balance between the two. And so I think that when I think about like losing some of my independence, I think for me, when I go into a relationship or when even things like when I moved in with my partner, it was a really hard decision for me because 
the idea of like that level of commitment and like that lack of independence does cause me a little bit of like angst. Yeah. And so I think like, to be honest, for me, I do feel like I needed to lose a little bit of like, maybe not my independence, but like my fixation with it Mm -hmm. and understand that like you can be independent and stand on your own two feet and have a career and all these things and have a partner. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think for me, it's kind of the other side of it where it is more about like compromise and like, would I you know, change my path in order to make things work or think like things that I wouldn't have done before. Like Mm -hmm. how am I willing to make those sacrifices to make a relationship work in like a healthy way? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That definition of interdependence sounds a lot like, yeah, like a secure attachment. The idea behind kind of how that comes up in childhood is if you have a parent who is secure so that means they're not overbearing and they're not aloof Mm. the child feels like they can safely go go out and explore the world but they can also come back and there's a support system if they need it Mm. so that's kind of the goal is like you both feel like you can go off and live a life of independence and freedom but that you can come together and there's like love and connection Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's kind of the goal, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's like the ability to have a really strong emotional bond while also maintaining like a very strong sense of self. And that kind of comes back to what we were talking about where like I wouldn't want to be with a partner who like echoed everything I said or like put me on a pedestal or like made me sort of think that I was – like I like the idea of someone challenging me in the sense of like what I – how I think about things, the way I approach different situations, even just like when I'm sharing things about like my friendships or my job or whatever it is. Like if I was with someone who thought about things the exact same way as me or like didn't have a strong enough sense of self to say like, I kind of disagree with that or like here's another way of looking at it, I would just sort of be like in a repetitive – you know what I mean? Like there's almost something about getting to know yourself that occurs through – having someone challenge your ideas on things. Yeah. I've heard a quote that's, I gotta stop doing this, but something to do with like being in a relationship is like holding a a mirror to yourself and you can see all of these things that maybe are qualities about yourself that you would want to change or like, Mm -hmm. but when you're with someone that much, these things are going to come up. Like there's going to be conflict that's healthy. And yeah, if someone is just putting you on a pedestal and I feel like I have experience in the past of this feeling as well it's like I don't think that I'm always right and like if this person thinks I'm always right then you start thinking less of them which is like this weird headspace to be in why can't you see my flaws it's kind of this strange I'm not I'm not perfect (laughs) like come on stand up for yourself like that kind of yeah it's not a good dynamic I think it's like a weird like power imbalance in a way Um, Yeah. yeah. And I don't think you can really feel an equal partnership in that situation. That's just my opinion. No, I agree with that. I think that, yeah, what I'm sort of working on or what I've been working on is sort of, I think I had an overinflated idea of what in like an overinflated, I placed like overinflated value on independence, like Mm -hmm. almost like 
I think it's important, but I don't know that it's more important than like maintaining strong and healthy relationships. Yeah. I don't it's sort of like that ability to know who you are and what you want and also be like malleable enough to grow and change yeah. and make things work. So yeah, I think for me like it does require a little bit of giving up my independence but as a way of sort of like meeting at a more healthy level. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's prove I love basing my happiness off of studies. <laughs> if a study proves that something's going to work, I'm going to do it. So <laughs> it's proven. I mean, obviously we're social creatures. Humans are meant to have connection and be with each other. And mm-hmm. I don't know where the idea comes from in our brains that like you need to be alone. That must mm-hmm. be based in something, but it you won't be as happy like if you don't no. have some type of connection and the relationship can look like whatever you want whatever works for you but that connection is so important to our mental health and lives that it's strange that that could be something our brains do we should fact check that like why why do certain people value independence like yeah i guess that's just the avoidant thing like you just don't trust maybe i don't know yeah i think it's just like well, it's also just so – it's such a, like, societal pressure, at least in my experience. It was so much to do with, like, be uh, – even things like I never wanted to lean on someone else for, like, money, like, from, yeah. from a partnership perspective. Like, I never wanted to – which isn't something that I have had experience with, so I'm not sure why this was such a thing, but, like – I didn't want to ever be in a situation where it's it's almost like a fear of vulnerability in a sense because mm-hmm. it's the idea of like if I can stand on my own two feet, if I have a life that's full with or without you, if I can take care of myself with or without you, then I'm not leaving much room for vulnerabilities or like for yeah. – Which hurt. I think – yeah, it's like I can just walk away and be fine, which like this is not a good <laughs> – It's not a good thing to be proud of. Like, that's not a way to live. But I think it is a little bit of that. Also, think of how many, like, this sounds so stupid, but think of how many, like, songs are about, like, women having their own money and and, uh, being independent and not needing anyone and standing up for themselves, which, like, are all good things. I'm glad we've made great strides towards, like, more equality. And at the same time, I almost wonder, like, it's sort of this concept, I think, that a lot of people, a lot of women struggle with, which is we, things have changed so much now where it's like before there was certain expectations for us as like mothers and partners and things like that. And, And now it's changed to be like, we're a part of like the working world and we have careers and things like that. But now it's this pressure of like, you can have it all and but at the same time, it's like, but you can't really like yeah. work the this issue with like trying to have a full career and also have a family mm-hmm. and also yeah. be a, a wife and all these things where like it it's just interesting. It's like the pendulum swung. And yeah. now I think a lot of women struggle with like how to reconcile wanting to be a career woman who's like yeah. badass and all these things and also be like a strong, caring mother, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like sort of reconciling those two different 
versions that we've been given and finding some middle ground, I think is something that so many people are struggling with because there's not enough time in the day to do all of those things. It's impossible. Yeah. All of that's super true. I have kind of started to realize that a lot of my identity seems to be a reaction to those expectations. And Mm -hmm. I do have a stubbornness in me that I think came from Elle Woods or something. I don't know. (laughs) Where (laughs) If someone tells me that I can't do something, I'm like, watch me. Like I'm going to fucking do it. And that's come in my career. Like when I learned Mm -hmm. that, and I'll fact check this too, but at the time, I think it was like 13% of tech companies had women CEOs or even in leadership positions Mm -hmm. like it's minuscule and I was like oh okay I'm gonna get in there and like shake things up a bit or even when I was a kid like I thought it was so cool if a girl knew how to skateboard because like that wasn't really Mm -hmm. a thing like and I wonder sometimes if it's hard for me to uncover what I really want because I just don't I don't want to do what's expected of me I guess I don't know it's it's bizarre (laughs) no that's so valid I think it's so interesting because I've been talking a lot with my buddy about this because she just recently moved back to the town that she grew up in. And I'm like the perfect like hypocrite example Mm -hmm. of someone who like grew up sort of like I bounced around a bit, but mostly grew up in a small town and moved away as soon as I could because I thought it's probably like like my ego for sure, which is gross but true (laughs) where like I moved away and I went to university and then I moved to another city and I was like I'm never going back there like I was totally one of those people that was like I'm never going back da 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 and I think that's a pretty normal thing for someone who like starts in a small town to like sort of want to escape it so I don't blame myself entirely for it but I do think it is a little bit of growing up to be like okay that that is your ego and also to be like I kind of want to go back (laughs) (laughs) it's been such a funny transition I don't know if like COVID definitely has um expedited it both for me and like for people I know in the sense that as soon as this all happened I'm like living in my my nice glass box in a in an apartment in Vancouver and we can't like all of a sudden we like can't really leave our glass boxes to like exit into the world and so for me it definitely expedited like the desire to have uh, a yard perhaps and like (laughs) just those things that before I would never have cared about that all of a sudden I was like oh my god it would be nice to like be in a smaller town where things were like less hectic and I wasn't waiting like two hours to buy toilet paper and like weird things that just like I wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. And it's sort of figuring out like why there's this sort of shame around settling down a little bit in like the typical sense of it, like wanting to be in a place that is a bit quieter and like a little bit like more homey and where I could have more space. And it's just an interesting thing. It's almost – trying to figure out how to know that that's okay because like we're growing up and like that is just how we feel and also knowing that for so long I was so like flying in the face of that because I just wanted to 
do the opposite, which is kind of what you're saying, like just almost doing it for the sake of it, like wanting to break a mold or something like that. And at a certain point, you kind of have to go like, yeah, who who's this really for? And at, like, for how long is it going to make me happy to be trying to like break the system or like do yeah. – you know what I mean? At a certain point, it's like I kind of – I want those things. And I don't think – now I look back on the way I would have thought about it before and I'm, I'm almost like embarrassed about – how judgmental I was about like people who chose that right off the bat. Be- like, yeah. w- I, ugh, it's gross. Like, I look at it and I'm like, I don't know what made me think that my life path that I had chose was better than that. It was also such a privileged life path I was able yeah. to take. And so, just recognizing that, and also just being like, my priorities have shifted as I've gotten older. Yeah, and it's hard now to say like these things that I once thought were so important. My Elle Woods dream (laughs) was not really like – it might not really be it. It might just be that like it was so cool for someone to be – like I don't want to use her as an example again, but like (laughs) I don't know. It it is tricky. It's like this desire to like shatter glass ceilings and like be a – like a badass in a world where we've always been kind of like disenfranchised and then also recognizing like, what, okay, what is it that I actually want if I strip that away? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I think something I've been trying to, okay. So I had a very similar path. I left as soon as I possibly could. And it was a bit of like a, I was running away type of deal and a, I'll never go back. Same kind of vibe. And I have, struggled with the judgment. I think that's the main thing I'm working on is my path is not the path for everybody. There are a lot of different ways to live a life. And I also, for the first time since leaving Kelowna, I was thinking during COVID, like maybe I would want to go back even as far as looking at like listings and looking at the yard I could have for the same price (laughs) as like a two bedroom in Vancouver. And I had a lot of moments of like, what am I doing? Like, I don't, I don't know if I could live in an apartment. I don't think I could live in an apartment forever, but I'm glad that I challenged those thoughts. And I even like spent some time in Kelowna and I still don't think I want to go back, <laughs> which is, I, I'm glad I thought about it and I like tested mm-hmm. out the idea and I kind of thought of the life I might have there. And I know right now that's not what I want, but that's the thing too, is there's this idea behind commitment that you have to choose one thing and you have to want mm-hmm. that thing for the rest of your life. And yeah. I think there's a freedom that comes if you can be a bit more gentle on yourself and know that, mm-hmm. okay, I want this thing right now and it might change. And mm-hmm. I know that right now, like what lights me up is trying to shatter those ceilings and someday I might get tired. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I don't really know what the rest of my life will look like because I'm, I'm trying not to plan as much. I mean, I've never really been much of a planner, but COVID kind of taught me like, it's important to pay attention to how I feel right now and make decisions based on that because you just never know what's going to happen. And Mm -hmm. it almost is like a bit of a a compass for me now is like, no, I I don't know what I'm going to want forever, but I can figure out what I want right now and what makes sense for me now. And that's what I'm going to do, I guess. Yeah. I also... 
I also think like when I unpack a bit like where my judgment was coming from in some of those ways, like it's a little bit elitist. Like Mm -hmm. even when I listen back in my head to even like what we were just talking about around like even like the glass ceilings thing, like it's sort of tricky to unpack that because it's like it is sort of placing more value on that than on someone who like chooses to be a mom who like lives in a small town and raises a family and like doesn't shatter a glass ceiling because that's what we've been doing. Yeah. It's it's tricky sometimes for me to understand like where my motivation is coming from. Like even when I think about careers and things like that or like if I was to take a certain career path or whatever it was, it's like, do I care what's on my LinkedIn? Because then people will see like, do I care if people see me take a hit when it comes to a career move? Or do I care what people will think if I like move home to my original, like the place that I grew up? And is it because I think that it's better to be be someone who lives in a big city and has a fancy job. Like I always come back to that. I think I said it on our podcast, that quote where AOC was being like, I'd be happy to go back and bartend because I'm not an elitist who like believes that my job is my self-worth. And I think that for me, I'm still so stuck in the idea that it is and that like having a big impressive life is Mm – even the word impressive, like I'm just sort of, I'm like exposing it in real time. Yeah. And so I think for me, like a lot of that is learning to understand like who made the rules of like what's impressive versus what's normal. And I think what I have to come back to when I'm like having these conversations or making these decisions is like, who am I? The the thing I think is the absolute best trait in a human being is someone who's like living in their own truth or like living in authenticity. And so if someone's living this impressive life based on my standards, but they they aren't being true to themselves, then it's probably not something I envy. Whereas when I see people make decisions to move to places or to take jobs or to be in partnerships that I think are really true to who they are, regardless of whether or not it's it's living up to these weird expectations of, of I don't know, I- impressive or whatever it is that I think previously. The thing I actually think is the coolest is when people are doing what's what they want to do, yeah. like when they've figured out what works best for them yeah. and are doing that against whatever odds or expectations are sort of being thrown their way yeah that's something so I've been listening to the unfuck your brain podcast a lot um and there was an episode on how how to like know what you want basically which is Mm -hmm. something I've struggled with a lot during COVID especially but she had this trick of just asking yourself would I do this thing if nobody knew or would like care that I was doing it Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a good gauge of like if I were like for you maybe if it was like moving to London would you do that if other people wouldn't think it was cool like is that something that actually would bring you joy maybe maybe not and I think only you or only the individual in question knows Mm -hmm. what they want and like what's going to make them happy Mm -hmm. and yeah basing it off of some sort of story or standard or should Mm -hmm. probably won't work maybe you'll get lucky and you'll just actually enjoy that thing but 
I think, yeah, centering it around yourself and who you are as an individual is in my mind, what's most important and mm-hmm. seems to be working so far for me. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. It kind of reminds me of that saying that I see sometimes pop up on Instagram, which is ironic because it's sort of about like how Instagram is just like fake fake there's just is a fake fake I couldn't think of another word I was gonna say bullshit but I was trying to be more g-rated but I see it come up sometimes on there where it's like make sure your life feels good yeah like to you on the inside and not just like on in your little pictures and I think that while when I see that I just go like yeah of course it's still, I think, something that we should really think about often, which is sort of what you're saying in that podcast as well, where it's like, make sure that you're making decisions that you would do regardless of if anyone was watching or like if you, if there was like clout or like whatever the bullshit is, (laughs) because eventually like no one, eventually we'll be off of Instagram or like what, it'll be something else. And like, no one will care anymore. And like, you'll just still be doing the life that you've created based on that. And so I think it is important to like constantly challenge, like why are, why we're making decisions and like what feels good. And that's why I think it's so cool when people make these decisions that are maybe sometimes I might even think like out of character because I'm like, I want to, I want them to tell me like what brought that about. And I think so often it's them sort of figuring out like what they actually want and, and choosing it, even though like it feels a little bit strange or like different than what was expected. And Yeah. yeah, I also so agree with what you were talking about before around like these expectations to commit to something forever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that I really struggled with where I would <laughs> be like, if I make this decision, I'm making it indefinitely. Like I, this yeah. is the choice I'm making and now I have to live with it. And really good advice that I got from my mom when I w- it was to do with a relationship where I was kind of being like, I'm scared to make this jump because then it means that I'm going to make the next jump and the next jump. Like that's how my mind kind of works. It's like now married, like in this, you know, like I'm like in my white picket and like my life is, and she's just like slow down. And my mom just gave me advice being like, and people probably think like this often, just I struggle with this of being like, how are things going this week? Mm-hmm. How are things going this month? How are things going this year? Like breaking it down into like, are you happy today? Does it feel good today? Does it feel good this week? And it's sort of mm-hmm. like what you were saying when we were talking about boundaries around like, does it feel better more than it feels like bad? Yeah. And I think it's that that sort of constant questioning of like how – and. There are obviously going to be times in a relationship or a career or these big life commitments that it doesn't feel great, like there's bad days and everything. But I think like the ability to just constantly take inventory and go like, is this working for me? Like, how is this making me feel is such a valuable tool because eventually like those days just add up and then you've been in something for longer and then then you get more comfortable with it evolving further and things like that. But I think like entering – I always used to hear that too. Like even when people get older 
and start dating like in their later 20s and people are like don't waste your time on someone if like you don't think you would like marry them or like uh, stick with them or things the like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like holy, you're never, you know, you're never going to be able to figure that out in the beginning, but like you'll you got to give people a chance to like yeah. show you who they are and and how it works to be a couple and things like that. And it might not work. And like relationships don't work all the time. Even people that say they found the one and blah, blah, it's perfect. <laughs> it does, it, we see those relationships fall apart all the time. Yeah. So I think like the idea that at some point you'll just like hit this point and you'll just know and there'll never be doubt again and you'll just be together forever yeah. or like be in that career forever is like, that's an, I just think that's so unrealistic. Yeah. I think that. There is no 100% sure in life. That's not mm -hmm. something that you're ever going to feel. Um, you're allowed to change your mind and only you know what type of life is going to make you happy. And like, it's maybe scary, but it's also really freeing. Like you get to decide what you do. Nobody else does. So just do that with intention and try and figure mm -hmm. out what that means to you. And hopefully you'll average out on good days, more good days than that. <laughs> That's the goal. Yeah. The biggest thing that I keep coming back to is I'm sorry to bring up the class again. Please let me do a sponsorship ASAP. But I was in a class the other day and I don't really remember what she was talking about. But for some reason, she said, ultimately, it's up to you. And for some reason, it like stuck in my head. You know, sometimes you just like hear things and like even if it's out of context, you're just like, it kind of like yeah. hits something. And it's so interesting because almost like, like multiple times a day, I've been coming back to that phrase where I'll be doing something or I'll be thinking about something and just coming back to like, ultimately, it's up to you. Like yeah. you decide. And even like in terms of working hard at something, like ultimately it's up to you, to you, it, you're in choice. And so mm -hmm. I don't know why it resonated with me so much, probably just like given my life at the moment, but ha having that sort of connection with like you are the decider and you are the one who can put in the work or walk away you are the one who can commit to something or walk away like you're in choice about it and also it's so true that committing to something right now doesn't mean you commit to it forever and I think that if we were all like a little bit more gentle and honest about that then there'd be less shame about when we yeah. don't stick to things or when we I don't know, give up or walk away from things. Like there's so much power in walking away from things as well. Mm -hmm. And it takes courage. And so I think just like being honest about that and taking inventory and just like knowing that at the end of the day, like we're the decider is for me so helpful when I think about how yeah. commitment kind of freaks me out. Yeah. I feel empowered. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Well, okay. I love you. <laughs> I love you too. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay. Fact check for episode 12. Let's do it. We made it. <laughs> yes we did <laughs> barely 
Okay, so this one, um, we talk a lot about attachment theory, which uh, I think we might mention in the episode, the book, but it's called Attached. If you want to read more about attachment theory, like that would be our recommendation. Um, It's called Attached and it's the new science of adult attachment and how it can help you find and keep love. And it's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And so if you're interested in what we're talking about when it comes to to attachment theory, that's your resource. Yeah. Highly recommend. Changed my life and the lives of everyone around me, (laughs) whether they like it or not. (laughs) So yeah, we kind of touch on it a bit throughout this episode. But just to kind of break it down, attachment theory is essentially – I kind of just said this, but it's a theory that concerns relationships between people and it's um, like it has to do with adult relationships, but based it's typically based on what happened to folks when they were children and um, typically between like parents and their children is the emotional bond that's responsible for whatever type of emotionally intimate relationships this person is able to have later in life type of thing. Yeah. So there are different attachment patterns or styles or types or whatever you want to call them. Um, They're secure, anxious, avoidant, and anxious avoidant. And so we talked a bit about like secure. Kyla mentioned in the episode that she used to tend more towards anxious. I typically tend more towards avoidant. And then anxious avoidant makes up a very small part of our of the population and I think sometimes it's also referred to as like fearful as well yeah there's like a couple names for the types that I've heard Um, like I think in the episode I say anxious preoccupied which is like just another way of saying anxious but that kind of describes like what might be going on in your head like you're totally occupied so um, even googling it there were different versions of it yeah yeah, so don't get it twisted. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> I also think I just am using the terms they use in the book as like a starting point. But yeah, I do think there's like sort of variations, but same same types, just different names. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of the attachment styles, what their core beliefs are, I'll just share them as briefly as possible. <laughs> Maybe folks that are listening can see like which one they might resonate with a bit. Obviously, this is very like surface level, but – Um, An anxious type or anxious pattern would be you love to be very close to your romantic partners, have capacity for great intimacy. You often fear that your partner does not want to be as close as you would like them to be. Relationships consume a large part of your emotional energy. You're sensitive to small fluctuations in partners' moods and actions. Um, A lot of negative emotions within the relationship. You might get easily upset. Um, you might act out uh, or say things that you'll later regret. Um, but if the other person in the relationship is able to provide lots of security and assurance, um, like reassurance, then you're able to shed some of that preoccupation and feel content in it. Yeah. And then secure is I kind of like the goal. I Can you say that? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Being warm and loving in a relationship comes naturally to you. You enjoy being intimate without being overly worried about your relationships. You take things in stride. You don't get easily upset over relationship matters. 
You effectively communicate your needs and feelings. You're good at reading your partner's signals um, and responding to them. And you share successes and problems with your mate and are able to be there for them when they need you. Yeah. And then avoidant is a lot about like the importance of maintaining your independence and self-sufficiency, which probably if you've just listened to this episode, you're like, <laughs> this is you, Kelsey. Um, and you often prefer autonomy to intimate relationships. Even though you do want to be close to others, you feel uncomfortable with too much closeness and tend to keep your partner at an arm's length. You don't spend much time worrying about your romantic relationships or being rejected. You tend not to open up much to your partners. Sometimes they complain that you're emotionally distant. <laughs> That's you. <laughs> this, is, this is old me. Okay. Um, in relationships, you are often on high alert for signs of control from your partner. So, like, you don't want them to be asserting oh my themselves. God. But, like, how this plays with, like, your Enneagram type is just too much for me. We're, like, textbook. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty uh, – it's pretty obvious. And then obviously, so that I just read three types and then anxious avoidant would be like a, sort of a combination of anxious and the avoidant type. So something we mentioned in this episode, Kyla, I think you say like you think that about 50% of people are secure attached. Oh, yeah. And so according to what I was able to find, 50% of people are secure. Nice. 20% <laughs> identify as anxious, 25% avoidant, and then 5% anxious avoidant. Okay. So it's like about half and half for anxious and avoidant, but then there is just that small percentage of right. of those anxious yeah. avoidant people. A little fun fact, which is kind of a bummer if you're like on the market right now, most people who are single are avoidant. <laughs> so I don't that's just a fun fact. <laughs> most people in general or most people at a certain age? Uh I th I think this is in the book. I I'm pretty okay. sure in general. I mean, when you bring up facts in the fact check, it's like just, <laughs> it's such a slap in the face. Like I obviously can't check that right now. Okay, people, do your own fact check on that. It one. It was I'm such a sure. sweeping statement too. Like <laughs> if you're single right now, you're avoidant. So check yourself. Yeah, I think that. The book, obviously, like, that's just the basics. So the book obviously dives into that. And there's also, like, a little questionnaire in the book where you essentially, like, answer a bunch of questions and then you get sort of, like, a rating and then it would help you to identify which type you are based on how you answer them. So um, there are some different steps you can take to try to figure that out. And the intention being that kind of, like, the more you know, the sort of more you can be aware of how you're showing up in your relationships and how you can try to become more secure in them. Yeah. It also yeah. just like you'll feel better if you yeah. like feel more secure. There's like a lot of emotion around. I think the anxious type gets the kind of the brunt of everything. <laughs> like they are the most affected by their attachment mm -hmm. style. So please find your type. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like putting a name to things. Like I think it yeah. makes it easier for us to then be able to – understand why we're reacting a certain way to things or if we have a pattern of behavior and relationships we can sort of unpack why that might be happening because it's probably not a coincidence and things yeah. like that yeah cool so the other thing we chatted about was interdependence versus codependence. And so I think I kind of defined this in the episode, but interdependence essentially means that 
when it comes to relationships, it means that partners recognize and value the importance of the emotional bond that they share with each other, but they also maintain a solid sense of self and they recognize the value of vulnerability and are able to turn to their partner in meaningful ways, but they're able to also keep in mind their own value system and like respect their own boundaries and things like that. Okay. So that's what I meant when we were talking about interdependence. And there's a little article where I was getting some of that information that I'll link as well because it kind of compares interdependence to codependency. And codependency is would be excessive emotion or uh, psychological reliance on a partner um, almost to the point of like illness or addiction, someone physiologically or psychologically needing someone um, and not really being able to, I don't want to say survive, but thrive without that person. So The other thing that's really interesting in the attached book is there's also a part of it called the codependency myth, which I think is sort of what we've been trying to talk about, but they <laughs> distill it into a pair, like short form, Okay, which is essentially this myth of like something must be wrong with you if you can't like stand on your own two feet Yeah, is sort of the way people talk about things, especially I feel – Uh, more in our generation. Mm -hmm. They talk a lot about your happiness should come from within and not be dependent on your lover or mate and your well-being is not their responsibility and things like that. And what it kind of talks about is how it's a little bit of a myth in the sense that it's helpful in some ways that you don't want to have people dependent on you when it comes to things like illness or substance abuse or things like that because it's like can be very damaging. But typically when we talk about human beings, like we are dependent on one another and that's part of being social creatures. And so my takeaway just being I think that it sort of distills um, how there's a value in it and there's also maybe a big a bit of a push towards not being dependent on yeah. anyone and just sort of how that's a bit of a farce because we have to be we we rely on social yeah. interaction yeah. and our and our people so it's in our nature totally which kind of leads me into my next point which was about how people are social creatures which we talked about and so I'll link an article on this as well but I think that's something that people say a lot socially even it's yeah. sort of a common uh, statement. Mm-hmm. But there's an article about sort of the reason why human beings are a social species and how we rely on cooperation to survive and thrive. And mm-hmm. that goes even further than relationships and like even our ability to to interact with people in a community and to have social structures and systems that support us in our day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll link an article about that. So yeah, that kind of answers a few of our questions that we were chipping away at around (laughs) the difference between like independence, codependence, interdependence, those different terms. Um, You talked about uh, women in tech companies. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to find that women hold 26.5% of executives or senior level management positions within tech companies. And about 28% of tech startups have a woman as a founding member of them. 
And there was a lot of data around how if a tech startup has a woman as a founding member, then it's way more likely to have women in like C-suite positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah which is just kind of interesting. Like the fact that a company needs to be founded by a woman for them to be like, yeah. we should put some women in leadership roles. But there's a, there's a huge there's a huge correlation between those two statistics. And yeah. I don't know how recent these are. It seems like there's also some stats about how tech is one of those industries that is putting a lot of money into investing into um, like getting more women into STEM and things like that so that they they can train and become part of those companies. So it's cool to see that like it does seem like there's some emphasis on getting those numbers up, but no, the numbers are weak as yeah. I'm sure they are in a lot of industries that are similar to that. Don't even get me started. Like this is something that I can soapbox <laughs> about forever. Um, I found something too that – so I think that what I said is I went to like a women in tech – talk I think this was in 2018 so I tried to look up a stat from 2018 of like the percentage of women in tech and oh boy so basically it said in 2018 only 18% of roles in tech um, were held by women in the U.S. and the more senior the position the lower the proportion of women at the senior level the percentage drops from from 19% to 16% and only at the executive level, only 10% of roles in tech are held by women. So that's 2018. Maybe it's gotten a bit better. I'm not sure. That's all. <laughs> the only other fact that there was is you, <laughs> there's some quote about um, relationships being like a mirror. And I got quite a laugh trying to find <laughs> trying to find quotes on Google is like always a bit funny because so often it comes up with Google images of <laughs> sad Pinterest backgrounds with weird <laughs> sad quotes. And so a lot of them were like very sad mirrors breaking and trust is broken. I was like, none of this is what you were trying to say, but I feel like maybe you found it. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> what quote I was talking about. I don't know if this is just something that someone said to me one time or what, but I did find out the, like what I was talking about. Okay, so the gist of it. I found some kind of like, okay, I found, I found an article that the title was how your partner is also your mirror. So I feel like mm -hmm. that was kind of like what I was trying to say. And the example of this is, okay, so say like, say it's you. <laughs> Say it's you and you say to Ben, oh, you are lazy. This is hypothetical. <laughs> <laughs> hypothetical. Oh, God. Just imagine. And we tried so, to finally be nice to them in this episode. And we're going to ruin it in the fact check. This is, this is hypothetical. <laughs> so what this article is saying is that behind every criticism of a partner is basically like something about yourself that you're maybe like trying to ignore. So you saying that someone else is lazy is maybe like behind that is you feeling overworked or overly responsible. So ah. yeah, basically this was saying, and I don't think this is only in <laughs> partners, but maybe it's more like easy to tell in a partner or like when you're around someone for a lot of your life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically any criticism that you might have about someone else is saying something about like yourself that you don't like interesting um, you know why this makes me laugh 
Wasn't it in one of these episodes where you're talking about how you convinced yourself that Bo thinks you're lazy and he never said that? (laughs) What does it mean if you self-criticize about something that they've (laughs) never mentioned? Oh, God. It means I need to go to therapy. (laughs) It makes sense, though, I guess, if you had a partner and you said something to them where you're like, you work too much or you're obsessed with work or something. Maybe it's because there's something lacking where you don't feel that drive or like yeah. it's sort of the counter to it. Yeah, yeah that's kind of huh. what I'm saying. So, yeah, that is not what the quotes on Google <laughs> wanted the quote to be. Oh, man. I'll just make up a quote. Yeah, you just did. We'll quote you. I'll pop it on Instagram. It'll work. Amazing. That's all of our commitment fact checks. Nice. We did it. Just a reminder, if you made it this far, we'd love a review on iTunes. God, we we got to say this in the beginning of the show. If you made it this far, you are special. You're a real one. And leave us a review, please. (laughs) Yeah, please. And follow along on Instagram and check out our website because there's lots of cool stuff on there if you want to look into some of these resources that we're always talking about. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Bye.